This is Herb Montgomery, and I want to take this opportunity to thank all of you who are supporting the work of Renewed Heart Ministries. It's people like yourself that enable us to exist and to be a positive resource in our world in the work of survival, resistance, liberation, restoration, and transformation. If you're unfamiliar with Renewed Heart Ministries, we are a not-for-profit group that is passionate about centering a set of values and ethics in the experiences of those on the undersides and margins of our society informed also by the sayings and the teachings of the historical Jewish Jesus of Nazareth. If you'd like to support our work, I'll tell you how you can do so at the end of this podcast. But for now, we simply want to thank you for listening. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to this week's weekly podcast. This is episode 193 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast, and our title this week is Hearing and Keeping God's Word. Um, And you'll understand that title was taken from the, the, that's the saying we're looking at this week uh, from the, the Q Scholarship that's been done in relation to Sang's Gospel Q. But this is our first uh, podcast post-U.S. election 2016, and we at Renewed Heart Ministries would like to just take a moment and express and reaffirm our commitment. Our already challenging work toward a, a safer, just, compassionate world for everyone has now become exponentially more difficult. And to our friends who are women, people of color, Muslim, non-native-born, LGBTQ, and native peoples, those who are already marginalized or disenfranchised, or on the underside of the status quo, I personally can only imagine what you must have been feeling or are feeling over this past week. And I know it's small comfort, but we at Renewed Heart Ministries today want to say that you're not alone. We at Renewed Heart Ministries will continue to roll up our sleeves. We're, we're not going to go anywhere. Uh, we'll stand alongside you. Our hand is on the plow, and we're going to go back to work realizing that our work just got harder. Uh, we choose solidarity, realizing that we have a lot to learn from you. And and we choose resistance. We choose survival. We choose liberation. We choose restoration. We choose transformation. And we realize that changing our world is hard work. And we are embracing that task alongside of you. So with that in view, and in this spirit, let's dive into this week's saying. Our feature text is from Luke 11, 27 through 28. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. He replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. And uh, this could possibly be uh, sayings gospel Q 11, 27 through 28, but we do find it in Luke. It's not in Matthew. Uh, on our companion text, we find it in the gospel of Thomas, oddly enough, uh, in 79, 1 through 2. A woman in the crowd said to him, Hail to the womb that carried you and to the breast that fed you. And he said to her, Hail to those who have heard the word of the Father and have truly kept it. Let's begin looking at, at the Gospel of Thomas first this week. And I want to draw your attention again to the fact that although this saying 
uh, only appears in the later Gospel of Luke and, and not in the earlier Gospel of Matthew. It does appear in the Platonic Gospel of Thomas. One possible theory is that Luke, Matthew, and Thomas all had access to Jewish sources of Jesus' sayings that scholars call Q. And, and, and Luke and Thomas chose to include this saying but Matthew simply did not. And if, if this is true, then e- even with the saying's absence from Matthew, it is highly likely that we can attribute it to the historical Jewish Jesus. And a deeply Jewish way of looking at humanity that many scholars believe can be traced back to Hillel is that every human being is a bearer of the image of God. Rabbi Saul showing disrespect to any human being who had been created in God's image as a denial of God and an tantamount uh, they believed to atheism. Murder was also sacrilege. Whoever shed human blood was regarded as if he had uh, he or she had diminished the, the divine image. And these teachers, they taught that God had created only one human at the beginning of time to teach us that destroying only one human life was equivalent to annihilating the entire world and to save a life, redeem the whole of humanity. Um, uh, Karen Armstrong, in her book, The Great Transformation, The Beginning of Our Religious Traditions, uh, she writes, uh, she, she gives us insight into this um, in, in her statement, uh, humiliating anybody, even a non-Jew, defaced God's image, and malicious gossip denied the existence of God. Religion is inseparable from the practice of habitual respect to all other human beings. You cannot worship God unless you practice the golden rule and honored your fellow humans, whoever they were. And this background is the foundation that I'd like to build on as we consider this week's saying. It's the truth that the closest to that I will ever come to God in this life is you, whoever you are listening right now, whether you're male, female, gender nonconforming, trans, white, person of color, gay, straight, bisexual, you are my fellow image of God bearers. And in you, I behold the the varied and diverse image of God. And I believe that the Gospel of Thomas uh, it falls short of this foundation. Thomas's version of the saying is slightly different from the version in Luke and includes a gender bias. Thomas contrasts uh, honor and rebuke for a human mother with reference for a divine father. And the divine here holds the superior place in this hierarchy. And the imbalance matches Thomas's other sexist sayings, including the one at the end of the Gospel of Thomas. In Gospel of Thomas 114, uh, we have these words, Simon Peter said to them, let Mary go away from us, for women are not worthy of life. Jesus said, look, I will draw her in so as to make her male, so that she too may become a living spirit similar to you. But I say to you, every woman who makes herself male will enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, very sexist language here in the Gospel of Thomas. Let's talk about Luke's version. Uh, that's the canonical version that we have of this saying, uh, if it existed in, in, in the saying's Gospel Q. Luke's version uh, does not contrast genders or rank the human and the divine. Luke contrasts unilateral hero worship 
with the value of a community that practices Jesus's teachings. And let me unpack that a little bit. The audience's words, uh, blessed is the mother who, who gave you birth and nourished you, um, emphasize how wonderful Jesus is and why he and his mother who gave birth to him should be praised. And Jesus counters this emphasis with a blessing on the community, rather, of those who together are hearing and obeying his life teachings, teachings that he defines as the Word of God. And that phrase here for Word of God is often abused by a large sector of Western evangelical Christianity today. I even cringe a little bit when I even use the phrase Word of God, and and, and I'm, I, I regret that it's actually even in the title this week because of the abuse that it's suffered. But in Western evangelical Christianity, the phrase the Word of God is shorthand for the Bible, which must be read literally and assumed inerrant. Uh, but our saying this week uses the word logos, and logos is the word that means wisdom uh, to a Hellenistic Jew, to a Greek, or, or to a Gnostic listener. The, 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 the latter gospel of John associated this word with the Sophia of Proverbs 8, and you can contrast these two in John 1, 1 through 3, and Proverbs 8, 22 through, through 30. And this is the wisdom and the word that Jesus claims to be teaching. And also this saying uses the designation those, those who obey and or hear and obey. And remember, Jesus' teachings make very little sense when removed from a context of community. For him to have said instead, the one who hears and obeys, it would have contradicted the very wisdom that he promoted and wanted his followers to obey. And Jesus' wisdom, his solution to uh, our world's challenges and his, his call to survival, resistance, liberation, restoration, and transformation, it came through the creation of community. It, it came through his followers and their embrace of, of humanity's natural mutual dependence on one another. And community is what gives us the resources to follow Jesus's teachings. You can't follow him without community. Community and, and how to function as a community is what Jesus is actually teaching in the Gospels. And whether it be through resource sharing, mutual aid, wealth redistribution, it's all done within community. And this is why uh, it is that those who hear and obey um, are, are not uh, the one who hears and obeys. It's a, it's a plural there rather than a singular. Valuing and seeking to create human, community and, and depending on that community to, to ensure our survival in the future is very different than worshiping an isolated hero uh, for his past acts. And Christianity has largely practiced the latter while having to learn from outside sources how to do the former. Uh, but as Alice Walker states, we are the ones we've been waiting on. And this belief is what Jesus is seeking to awaken in his listeners, not as individuals, but as a collective. And Rita Nakashima Brock in Journeys by Heart, a, Christological, a Christology of Erotic Power, she critiques Christianity's transformation of Jesus into an isolated hero. She writes this on page 65 and 67. The relationship of liberator to oppressed is unilateral. Hence, the liberator must speak for victims. The brokenhearted do not speak to the strong in a unilateral heroic model. 
I believe the above unilateral hero views of Christ tend to rely on unilateral views of power and too limited an understanding of the power of community. They present a heroic Jesus who alone is able to achieve an empowering self-consciousness through a solitary private relationship with God or the goddess. If Jesus is reported to have been capable of profound love and concern for others, he was first loved and respected by the concrete persons in his life. If he was liberated, he was involved in a community of mutual liberation. The gospel narratives give us glimpses of the mutuality of Jesus' relationships. Jesus' vision of the basileia, or the kingdom, grew to include the dispossessed, the woman, and the non-Jewish, the marginal. And because of this, because his encounter and interaction with the real presence of such people, they co-create liberation and healing from brokenheartedness. What a powerful paragraph. Um, I I love that summation contrasting an isolated hero worship, which is what most of Christianity practices, and this idea of creating community centered in their own experiences being informed by the teachings of, uh, of Jesus. And in Luke saying this week, Jesus refocuses his followers on the intrinsic value of the things he taught and the importance of actually putting those teachings into practice. And, and we can't say, I think, too much about this. We were wanting in the crowd to worship uh, him and, and, and or to, to at least bless his mother and, 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 and to isolate him as a, 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 a again, unilateral hero. But uh, he turns and says instead, blessed are those who, who actually the blessing is on us who actually follow his teachings. And, and I want to share a little bit this week before we wrap up uh, on my experience with this. If watching my friend's Facebook post this election season has taught me anything about the Christian circles that I've traveled in over the last two decades, it's that the first 10 years of my ministry did not make a significant concrete difference in the lives of those with power and resources in our societies. The gospel that I preached, and, and this is confession time, it taught and, and uh, uh, it helped those in positions of power who, who benefited from how resources are structured. It helped them basically sleep better at night. Because of what I taught them, they went to bed each night assured of a postmortem bliss and feeling blessed that a God up there in the sky somewhere loved them unconditionally and did not condemn them. And with teachings like these, why are white privileged Christians so guilt-stricken? Why are we so fascinated with defining the gospel and salvation as guilt and relief of condemnation rather than as subjugated people's liberation from oppression, injustices, and violence? And you can contrast that with Luke 8, or sorry, Luke 4, 18 through 19. Um, Jesus defines the gospel not as freedom from guilt, but rather uh, subjugated people's liberation. And why do we escape to hopes of heaven? 
and retreat into our private, isolated, personal relationships with Jesus? Why are we not more engaged working alongside the oppressed demographic that, that Jesus worked alongside of and, 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 and to restore others' humanity as well as we spoke about last week, as well as our own? And I've been watching friends who have believed and supported the gospel I once subscribed to. And yet these friends, uh, they're still entrenched in supporting racism, sexism, and classism. And the gospel that I previously taught, it didn't change or, or even address that bias. These same gospel-believing Christian friends have been the first over the last two years of my transition to, to try to, to censure or correct my, my protests of injustice. They have repeatedly justified violence and oppression, and, and even their underlying uh, beliefs. And, and while all the while, they accused me of going off the rails. And if anything has gone off the rails, it's been this kind of Christianity that is, isn't even recognizable from what uh, the, the Jesus or the Jesus of the Jesus stories, what that Jesus uh, is believed to our best knowledge to have taught. And I've come to, the, to a conclusion this week. If the gospel that I teach does not challenge racism, if it doesn't challenge sexism, and it doesn't challenge classism, if it doesn't inspire tangible, concrete ways to help uh, make the world a safer, just, more compassionate place for those on the underside of our society, if that gospel allows people to remain bigoted and it does not challenge bigotry at its core, that gospel is an unhealthy tree. And my Jesus said, we can know a tree by its fruit, and the fruit of such a gospel would not be for the healing of the nations, but for the destruction of the human species and possibly the entire planet. And Peter Gomes, in his book, The Scandalous Gospel of Jesus, he reminds us that it is far easier to talk about Jesus than to talk about the things Jesus talked about. And why is that? It's because what Jesus talked about has the potential to change our world. But if our world is already pretty good, then changing it is not perceived as gospel or good news. It's perceived rather as a threat. And in this week's saying, we are called not to merely praise Jesus, but to practice values centered in the experiences of those who are suffering and working for liberation, informed by the teachings of Jesus and endeavoring to put those teachings into practice. We will not always get it right. Uh, we're we're going to fail at times, and there will be times also when we succeed, but we can choose a path of preferring to apply uh, teachings that point to establishing justice and, and recovering our humanity. Those are teachings uh, that would have real effects, tangible, concrete effects in our world right now today. And in a tradition that offers religion to help us learn the differences between right and wrong, this week's saying invites us instead to practice greater compassion as we learn together what tends towards life and, and promotes equitable thriving for everyone. And, I, and I'm not going back to what I used to teach. For those of you who think these last two years are just a phase, um, I, I don't want to disappoint you, um, but I want to practice compassion. A hero worship is not enough. So this week, I deeply resonate with the words that, that we're contemplating. As, as Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. He replied, Blessed rather 
are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Luke 11, 27 through 28. Heart group application this week. As a group this week, number one, I want you to describe three differences between worshiping Jesus as an isolated hero and being part of a community that experiments with implementing the values that he and his followers taught. What does each approach imply uh, for those on the underside uh, or on the margins of our society. And, and look at both of those. What do the hero worship, um, how does it affect those on the margins of our society and those who try to put it into practice? Number two, list a few ways that you as a group can move toward being a practitioner of the ethics that Jesus taught. Um, as contrasted with being just a worshiper that largely disregards living out Jesus' ethical teachings. And then number three, Pick one of those ways that you just came up with and and put it into practice. Dolores S. Williams, in her volume, Sisters in the Wilderness, The Challenge of Womanist God Talk, she writes, It seems more intelligent and more scriptural to understand that redemption had to do with God through Jesus giving humankind new vision to see the resources for positive, abundant, relational life. Redemption had to do with God through the ministerial vision, giving humankind the ethical thought and practice upon which to build positive, productive quality of life. Hence, the kingdom of God theme in the ministerial vision of Jesus does not point to death. It is not something one has to die to reach. Rather, the kingdom of God is a metaphor of hope that God gives those attempting to right the relations between self and self, between self and others, and between self and God as prescribed in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Golden Rule, and in the commandment to show love above all else. And that's page 130 through 131. And I could not agree more with Dolores Williams this week. Wherever you are today, Thank you for taking the time to check in with us this week. My hope is that your heart will be renewed and it will be encouraged. Again, you're not alone. And, and my hope is that uh, those who desire to follow Jesus will not simply praise Jesus, but put his teachings into practice. I love each one of you dearly. Hang in there. Um, again, we're not going anywhere. Uh, we're going to keep resisting right alongside you. Um, again, I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Thank you once again for listening. Everything we do here at Renewed Heart Ministries is done with the purpose of making these resources as free as possible. And to do so, we need the help of people like yourself. If you'd like to support the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, you can make a one-time gift or become one of our monthly contributors by going to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and clicking on the Donate tab at the top right of the homepage. Or you can mail your contribution to Renewed Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 1211, Lewisburg, West Virginia, 24. Make sure you also sign up for our free resources on our website, and we have a monthly newsletter that we mail out, and there's just much, much more. Remember, everything we do here at Renewed Heart Ministries is for free, and every little bit helps. And anything we receive over and above our annual budget, we happily pass on to other not-for-profits that are, are, we feel are making both systemic and, and personal differences in the lives of those less privileged within our status quo. And for those already 
already supporting our work. Again, thank you. Together we are making a difference, making our world a safer, more just, more compassionate home for us all.